0: Welcome once again to our Bible study group. Today is our third session um, since we started, and we've been looking at John's Gospel. So today we are going to look at um, John chapter 2 and chapter 3. So we're going to be doing um, the sessions in, in, uh, in little chunks, we'll look at the, the chapters in little chunks instead of having a look at the whole uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, starting from uh, chapter 2 to chapter 13, as I indicated previously, because that would be too much. That means we will not be able to do justice to the chapters. So if you turn your Bible to chapter 2, John's Gospel, verse 1 to 11, please. Thank you
1: verse 1 to 11
0: yes from verse 1 to 11
1: on the third day there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding and when they ran out of wine the mother of Jesus said to him they have no wine Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your what does your consign, what does your consign have to do with me? My my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were said there were said now. There we are said there six water pots of stone of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing twenty or twenty or thirty gallons a piece. Jesus said to, to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up. To the brim. And then he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the, of the feast. And he said, and, he, and they took it. And they took it when the master of the feast had tested the water that was, that was made wine. And eh? they did not, not know where it came from. for yes. the servant who had drawn the water knew. Mm. The master of the feast called the bridegroom mm. and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when gets, we are well the guests were well done, the beginning of sign of Jesus in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him.
0: Amen. Thank I, you I for your be, word. Yeah, oh. okay. Yeah, that's it. That's from 1 to 11. Thank you for that. Um so this chapter of John okay. begins with the wedding at Cana. That's what we've just read. You know, Cana of Galilee was a town located about 8 miles north northeast of uh, Nazareth, that is Jesus's own town. So the wedding at Cana in Galilee was where Jesus performed his first miracle by transforming water into wine, transforming water into wine. You know, the spiritual significance of running out of wine, that is uh, man-made wine. The wine we, 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 we drink now is our own ways of doing things. That is worshiping God in our own way. That is religion in itself. Uh, and that was what those, uh, the Pharisees and the religious Jews were doing in that time. So Jesus came to give us new wine. You know, he came to give us new wine. That is a new spiritual experience. So, you know, this new wine is, is giving us, is which will taste better and superior. Therefore, the new wine will need a new wine skin. It will need a new wine skin. And, the only, and, and only those who seek him with a sincere and a repentant heart will get this new wine they will get this new wine, okay? So this miracle was performed at the beginning of his public ministry. Although when he performed this uh, miracle, he had not actually started public teaching. He has not actually started. So the miracle drew the attention of the people towards Jesus, okay? Towards Jesus. So it was a canine that is, um, uh, you know, after this miracle that his disciples started to believe in him. It was at this, after this miracle in Canaan that the disciples started to truly believe in Jesus. Okay. So from Canaan, Jesus and his disciples, his mother and his brothers, then went to Caponium. Caponium is just a few um, kilometers away from um, Canaan, but they did not stay there for many days because the the jewish uh, passover was taking place in jerusalem so they headed they headed to jerusalem and his first pot of call in jerusalem uh, was to go to the temple you know where you know when he went to the temple normally he would go to the temple to either teach maybe his intention for that day was to go and start teaching because it was a Passover, so you had a lot of people, a lot of Jews coming from other provinces of um, Israel. But when he got to the temple, the temple was like in a marketplace. They were selling goats, they were selling dogs, there were money exchanges, you know, because um, the, in the Jewish temple, they had their own currency, and you cannot use the, the Roman currency to come and trade in the in the temple so you have to change your roman currency to a jewish uh, the temple currency and also the people need to bring their own sacrificial um and lambs to be sacrificed so the if they didn't bring any goats, so they will buy it at the temple there so they were using the temple as a marketplace for for their trading and if you look at it reflectively really this is some of the things that is happening in our churches. You know, in some of our churches these days, it's used as a marketplace, it's used as a business place, you know? So ministries are actually business, okay? So this is um, what happened. So his first port of call was the temple, where he dealt with those who were using his father's house as a marketplace. This fulfilled the scripture in Psalm um, 69, verse 9, which says because zeal for your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Okay, this incident at the temple strengthened the conviction of his disciples that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Okay, so you see everything Jesus did, you know, in, during his time here on earth has already been written about him in the Jewish Torah, has already been written. He was the fleshy manifestation of the word of God, which, you know, which the father gave the uh, uh, the prophet in in his time on earth here has already been, but everything Jesus did was to fulfill the scriptures that has been written about him. So he was actually the word manifested. Okay. Because if you. If you look at the Psalms, the prophets, even the five books of Moses, all they were gearing about, all they were talking about was the coming Messiah, was the coming Messiah, what he was going to do when he comes, how the people are going to treat him, how they're going to reject him. So everything Jesus did, he didn't do it. It, it wasn't new. It was already been, you know, prophesied and predicted in the Torah, in the Torah. And like, like um, you know, in, in uh the, the word, the things that Moses wrote, the things King David wrote in the Psalms, the, the word the, the Father gave to the prophets, they all wrote about Jesus. You know, for example, now look at um, when we if we look at the the book of Isaiah 53, the the sin-bearing messiah, the sin-bearing messiah. Let's have a look at Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. You know, this book was written hundreds, almost 700 years before the manifestation of Jesus, before Jesus appeared in in the midst of the Jewish people. I will read from verse 4, which says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. If we go on and read verse 6, which says, All we are like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on him. So who actually laid our sin on Jesus? It was Father. It was the Father. The Father laid our sins on Jesus. So it was the Father that actually took him to the cross. Okay. But the people have had to manifest it. They have to reject him. And give him over to the Roman soldiers to crucify him. Because this was what was written about him. So he had to go to that cross. Because this was what was written in the Torah. This, this, in short, you can say that this was what the father wrote in his book of destiny in heaven. Okay, So this was why Jesus said that he came to fulfill the number of books that had been written about him. The number of books. So he came to take the iniquities of us, all, all of us, everybody, not just the Jewish people, but everybody. And this was written, you know, I think 700 years uh, that Isaiah had these prophecies before Jesus manifested. And the point of all this revelation in the Torah was that when he appears, The Jewish people will recognize him. They will know who he is. They will know that this is their Messiah. They will know that this is the the person they've been reading about in uh, in their synagogue every Sabbath. Every Sabbath, they will know. Okay, So the prophet wrote this message in the Jewish holy book. Every Sabbath, the priests and the scribes will read this holy scripture to the people. The point of God revealing these messages to the prophets, for the people, it was to enable them to recognize him when he appeared in the midst. When he appeared. Some of these priests and scribes, they knew, you know, they knew who Jesus was, but in their pride, they rejected him because they did not want to change their way of life. They did not want to change their way of life. Some had their own ideas of how the Messiah would look like and where he should come from. The priests and the religious leaders did not want to reveal Jesus' true identity to the people. Because if they revealed Jesus, you know, to the uh, people, the people will accept him. And then the the religious leaders and the the priests and the scribes, they will lose the benefits they were getting from the temple. They will lose it. Okay, so they did not want to change their way of life. They were exploiting the people, enriching their lives. They didn't want to change. They didn't want to change. They did not want to change at all. And if you really look at it, the same thing is happening in our churches today. You know, a lot of uh, pastors, they know what is right. They know the right scriptures to teach the people. But when they come, they twist the scriptures to benefit you know, to to benefit themselves, to gain things from the people. They just want to enrich their life. And this is what the same thing these religious leaders were doing in Jesus' time. They were exploiting the people for material gains. And this is exactly what is happening now. A lot of uh, ministers, they are exploiting the people for material gains. So their focus is more on material things than spiritual things. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to earth. But the religious leaders who should have known better and recognized him for what he has come to do, they rejected him because they did not want to change the way they were living. They want to focus on material things and not spiritual things. Okay. So in, um, in verse um, 23 of chapter two, which tells us that many people believed in his name Because of the miracles he was performing. But Jesus did not have much faith in them. You know, he did not have much faith in their belief. Because what they wanted, they just wanted the miracles. They wanted the miracles Jesus was performing. But they did not want the miracle maker. They did not want the miracle maker. And if you really think about it, you know, the same thing is happening today. Many people believe in Jesus for what Jesus can do for them. But they are not interested in Him as a person. They're not interested in His kingdom. All they want is what will make their life better on this earth. So they they see the miracles happening in the churches. They go there to get the healing. They go there to get the breakthroughs. They go there to, you know, to just to experience this uh, miracle. But they don't want to have anything to do with God. They don't want to change their way of life. They don't want to stop sinning. They don't want to die to, to flesh. Because real Christians, if you're truly a real Christian, the Bible says that you have to deny yourself. It's about sacrificial living as a Christian. But a lot of people do not want to do that. But they want the miracles. They don't mind the miracles. They don't tell me to, to change my life. I enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy my life as it is. I enjoy going to parties. I enjoy drinking. I enjoy smoking. I enjoy womanizing. Don't tell me to stop that. No. All I want is just your miracle. Help me to enjoy my life more. (laughs) That's it, you know? So this is what people, this is what they did in those days. The priest, they just wanted to continue exploiting the the people and reaching their life they did not want the spiritual life Jesus came to give, and the same thing also the people themselves they wanted the miracles, but they did not want to change their life and have the spiritual life Jesus came to give them. So this is um, uh, what uh, chapter two was telling us in uh, in John uh, in John's um, uh, book. But there's a there's a, a more spiritual you know, in-depth spiritual um, significance of marriage. And um, when I was reading it and when the Holy Spirit was explaining it to me, what it was a little bit, I said, no, I will not dive into that area now. I need to meditate on it a lot more before I can then explain it to people. And what I did understand is that, you know, marriage is a lot more spiritual than a lot of people think. And if you reflect on it, this is the reason the devil attacks Christian marriages, okay? Christian marriages. God God created marriage, you know, it's the principle of pairing. He pairs you up with your life partner. And if you think about it, your life partner, although in the, in the scriptures, the Bible tells us, you know, to death do us part. But what I have come to understand, understand spiritually we don't really, you know, depart when we die. Even when we die, the, the partner we have here, we still meet up with them in heaven. Okay. So the reason God hates divorce is because marriage is meant for the two people he has paired together to give him a holy children. To give him a holy children. It's about propagation of the family. It's to... You know, maintain the family in a, in a godly way, bring up a godly children for God. This is the reason for marriage. And then even after death, they still continue up in heaven. You know, those pair may still be working together, working for God, even in heaven, in the spirit. So marriage is very important. This is why the devil wants to destroy it. This is why the devil wants to destroy This is one of the things the Holy Spirit was explaining to me. The the reason Jesus went to that marriage ceremony in Canaan. He didn't go there. Although a lot of uh, they were doing marriage in the material sense. But he went there in the spiritual sense of what marriage truly was. And then the wine itself is the spiritual um, life he's come to give us. That's the wine we need to drink. That is why You know, for you to receive that new wine, you need to learn to renew your mind because your old mindset cannot receive the new wine. You cannot receive the new wine. Okay. So we're going to have a look at chapter three now. If we turn to chapter three, John chapter three. Okay. Sister Ma, if you can read from verse one to 13 for me, please.
2: Okay. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, 1 to 13. Yes. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I said to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I said to you, unless one is born of water, And the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I said to you, We speak what we know, and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness, a witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven.
0: Yes, thank you. Thank you, my dear. Right. Yeah, again, you know, in this chapter, the, it, it begins with a ruler of the Jews, uh, a man, a teacher called Nicodemus. You know, he came to see Jesus in the night. He just sneaked in to see him in the night because he didn't want the other rulers to know that he was associating with Jesus. He didn't want them, him, them to know that he was associating the, to Jesus. So he came at night. Because you know, the other religious leaders, you know, seeing him with Jesus, despite the fact that they believed that Jesus was sent by God. Because if you look at what Nicodemus said, Nicodemus said, you know, where he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So we, so who are those we? The we is the religious leaders. So they knew who Jesus was. They knew who mm. Jesus was, but they decided to deny him because they did not want to change their way of life. They want to continue to exploit the people and enrich themselves, you know, to do that. So this is, um the, you know, what Jesus answered, the, uh, the question Jesus um. Uh, said what you know answer the question which is in verse five he said most assuringly I say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God first of all when Jesus mentioned about being born again in verse three Nicodemus didn't understand it because his mindset was still carnal he was seeing things from the flesh point of view but Jesus was talking about spiritual things You know, he was talking about spiritual things. And it's the same thing even now. Sometimes when you talk about spiritual things, carnal Christians cannot understand it because the veil is still over their eyes. They're still thinking carnally. They're still thinking materially. They haven't crossed over into the realms of the spirit to be able to relate to what is happening in the spirit so this is why when you teach spiritual a lot of times in the bible when jesus was teaching about spiritual things he was speaking in parables comparing physical things with spiritual things so the people would be able to understand what he was saying this is the reason he spoke he spoke mostly in parables and and then he go he will go behind and explain to his disciples what he was, what he meant so what did Jesus mean by that verse, that verse five, which says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So if you notice, before Jesus began his public ministry, he went to join the Baptists in the Jordan River to be baptized. OK, to be baptized. So let's read. Um, Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. And it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Okay? So, then John baptized him. You know, so by, by Jesus being baptized, what he was doing is to demonstrate to us, you know, his action of being baptized is to show us that baptism is a requirement. For those who have placed their faith and their life in Jesus, baptism—you know, the 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 Israelites when they went uh, through what we were called also regard what God, God will also regard as baptism when God delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh and his army when the Israelites went through the divided Red Sea, they went through what is uh, a form of baptism. Okay. And what that indicates is that they left their old life behind and are now crossing over into a new life in God, their creator. The same thing applies to us, you know, when we have, when we are baptized. Baptism is part and parcel of us becoming born again Christians. Baptism. Okay, So water baptism, that is full immersion in water, is part of God's righteous plan for those who have chosen to place their faith in Jesus Christ. Water baptism is the symbolic death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. So when we go through the ritual of water baptism, what we are demonstrating is our death to our previous life in the flesh. Is what we're demonstrating. So we are, you know, when we are lifted up out of the water, which signifies our grave, our watery grave, the water represents our grave. When we are resurrected from our watery grave, we step into a new life in the spirit. We step into a new life in the spirit. The life, you know, the spiritual life of the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. This is the reason Jesus said Those who believe, they shall be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's have a a look at it in Matthew chapter 28. Hallelujah. I'll read it as well. Okay, I'll read from verse 17 actually. It says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And that is when after his resurrection, and he met his disciples. When they saw him, some doubted whether this is really Jesus, but some worshipped him. And then in uh, verse 18, Jesus said, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, and, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. Okay, even to the end of the ages. So go and make disciples of all nations. This is what Jesus said. And those who believe, baptize them. Baptize them. So when you baptize, when you are baptized, You are being baptized in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you are being baptized into the spiritual world of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So once you come out of that water of baptism, you become a new creation. You become a new creation. All things are passed away. Your old life has gone. Your old life has been buried in that watery grave. And a lot of people get their deliverance. You know, they get their deliverance. Through the process of baptism, I have seen, you know, when there was a time we were doing baptism in my church and uh, it was uh, me and the pastor and another pastor. Uh, we, you know, the, the the male pastor was in the water baptizing the people. I was outside with the pastor praying. And as uh, we were praying, I see, I see in the spirit when the people are dunked into the water and then brought up, I see spirits leaving them, demonic spirits leaving them and you see them they were shaking like this it's the demons leaving because that water of baptism is your you're being delivered of whatever held you in this material world okay you are now being transported into the spiritual realm of the father son and the holy spirit of the father son and the holy spirit and if you anyway let me go on so once you come out of the water of baptism you become a new creation Old things have passed away. Your old way of life, your old way of thinking, your old way of doing things has passed away under the water of baptism. You have buried it in that grave. Okay, you are now resurrected into a new life in the spirit. Okay, you know if we notice when Jesus rose from the water of baptism in Matthew chapter three, let's have a look at it again. Let's have a look at uh, Matthew chapter three verse sixteen. I will read it. And it says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and enlightened upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Okay. This is my beloved son. So as, as, uh, as uh, Matthew chapter 316 says, "When he came out of the water, the spirit that immediately he came out of that water, he was also baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was also baptized. Okay, this scripture tells us that the Spirit of God descended like a dove and stayed on him. That is, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the Father who comes and lives in our own human spirit. This is what is, uh, Jesus meant by being born again. This is what he meant by being born again. You know, the, uh, in my own experience after I was baptized, when I was baptized, immediately I came out of the water. It was as if I stepped into a new world. It was as if I stepped into a new world. Okay. Everything changed. The, de- the heaven changed truly opened everything looked clear you know it was as if a veil has been removed from your eyes and the scales the darkness the darkened scale in your eyes has been removed everything was a lot brighter the sun was pure orange so bright the trees itself looked so green the air smelled so clear okay you even felt the air it felt so clean The heavens truly do open when you come out of the water of baptism. It was because when I came out of the water of baptism, I was also baptized in the Holy Spirit. That was why the Holy Spirit was able to open my spiritual eyes and I was able to experience these things. Okay, So this is why Jesus said, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So this may happen immediately after baptism, like it happened with Jesus. And as I, I just shared my own experience, this is what happened to me when I had my own baptism. So, you know, everything will look different. You will feel it. You will know that heaven has truly opened up. Okay. So this is what Jesus meant in John chapter 5, verse. John um, chapter 3 verse 5 Unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God okay because once you have been buried your old life has been buried inside that watery gla- grave and you then are resurrected the spirit of God then descends on you and he baptizes you in his in his uh, in his own spirit the father baptizes you in his own spirit Mm-hmm. By by that, that means your own spirit and God's spirit then becomes like this. Okay. They become one. So when they become one like this, your spirit can now access heaven because the Holy Spirit is the gatekeeper of heaven. So without the Holy Spirit coming into your own spirit and become one with you. You cannot enter heaven. You cannot see heaven. This is the reason Jesus said, if we go back to John chapter 3, what we, what we read in verse 13, which he said, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the son of man who is in heaven. Okay. He came down from heaven, but he's still in heaven. How can that be possible? That is possible. Jesus' um, body and soul is on the earth here, but his spirit is in heaven. Okay? So when, when we do our prayers, when we do our prayers, although I'm in, on the earth here, my soul is talking, but my spirit is in the courtrooms of heaven. This is the reason I'm able to see what the judge is doing, when the demons come, what is happening, what the angels are doing. Although I'm here, physically here with you, that my spirit is also in heaven. This is what the Lord was talking about in that verse, okay? And this is the reason he was able to see everything the father was doing in the spiritual realm. Jesus would then do it on the earth realm. That's why he says, I only do what I see my father doing. I only to do what I, see, what I see my father doing. So, like an example now, in ministry, when you're doing deliverance, you will see the demons being cast out. Who is casting them out? Jesus is casting them out. So physically, you have to do what he's doing to cast those demons out. Because they've been cast out in the realms of the spirit. But in the physical, you need to cast them out of that person's body. OK, so, the, the you know, the reason Jesus is insisting that we need to be born again, because the Holy Spirit cannot use us if we're not born again, because the work you do in ministry is done through the Holy Spirit, is done through the Holy Spirit. It's his work. Jesus is carrying on his work, the work he started on this earth, but because he's the spirit now, so he can do a lot more than he did when he was just him alone. Because his spirit now can infuse into other people's, other ministers' uh, uh, born-again people's spirit and use them to do the work of the Father. To do the work of the Father. But unfortunately, those ministers who don't have the patience or who don't have the faith or who are so selfish and prideful and do not want to die to self, instead of allowing God to train them, they tap into unholy spirits, not holy, unholy spirits. And this is why you have false prophets and false anointing operating in people's life. And this is why you don't, people don't really get uh, you know, genuine breakthroughs in their life, despite the fact that they're going to church, they're in church. It's because the spirit operating through that minister is not the real Holy Spirit. If it's the real Holy Spirit, you will see breakthroughs and deliverance and healing in people's lives. And this is the reason the Lord is insisting that people need to, you know, preach the real gospel. It's only the real gospel when people understand the, what Jesus has done for them in the atonement, in the atonement, the atonement, his sacrifice. That is what will release the power of the Holy Spirit and, the, the, you know, for people to really get their deliverance and their healing that is when the real gospel is preached and when people truly believe the word of God. Most of the time, a lot of people don't believe the word. They just read it. It doesn't really make sense to them because they don't have the spirit of God in them that will explain the scriptures. Because the work of the Holy Spirit is to come to convict you of sin and to convict you of unrighteousness. Unrighteousness means you don't believe in God. You know, but righteousness means you believe you have faith and the only way you can get that faith is by reading the word, by being able to understand the word. That is how you will be able to get the faith and the righteousness. And for those who are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, most of the things they're doing, they're just doing it in the flesh. Okay, it's in the flesh. And as you know, the flesh profits nothing. Okay, so... For born-again Christians, you need to go through the water of baptism, full immersion, and then you're then baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then that is when your spiritual eyes will open, and that is when you will truly enter heaven. You can be living on earth here, but you can be communion. You know, sometimes when I lie here listening listen to music, my spirit is in heaven. And you can sit and just talk to God. You can talk to God. People can talk to God, talk to Jesus, you know? Is once your spirit is open, and you start allowing Him to clean you up, because the reason a lot of people do not are not baptized in the Holy Spirit because their soul is still blocked up with sin. When you allow the Holy Spirit to clean you up, clean all the junk, all the unforgiveness, all the pain, all the trauma, all you know, all these things, and release you from the devil's dungeon, because your soul is being held a captive until your soul is being released from the prison that you're in, and then you allow the Holy Spirit to wash you clean and allow him to take control of your soul and your mind. You know, sometimes in in our videos, you see the Spirit of God speaking through my mouth. He is speaking through my mouth because the pathway has been made clean for him. My spirit and my soul has been made clean for him so he can now manifest. When people are doing deliverance, you see demons manifesting through people, talking through people, because they are full of sin. That is why the demons have the darkness in them. They can manifest and talk through people. It's the same thing with God. When you clean your soul and clean your mind and just make a pathway for him to do, he will talk through you. He will talk through you. Okay, It's just a matter of submitting to God, resisting the devil, and the devil will flee from you. And And constantly be connected in your heart to him. Don't allow any negative thoughts to come to your mind, to come to your heart. Keep on meditating. You know, people say meditate on the world. Sometimes I find it hard to meditate on the world. What I do, I just worship in my spirit. That's how I connect with him constantly. I just praise him, worship him, Father, you're good. I just have conversations in my spirit with him. That is how we, we keep our connection you know and this is why he he told me that repentance is the key to godliness always repent always have a heart of repentance always have a heart of repentance even if you don't know if you've done anything wrong this is why the lord gave us those prayer guide you know we start off with repentance because we we all do not know what sin we have committed but the holy spirit knows so when you ask the Holy Spirit to shine his torch in your heart and reveal any darkened area, you will do that, and then you will repent, and that, dark, that darkness will be removed. Sometimes it baffles me when ministers will start praying for people, casting out demons without them repenting, of what gave those demons the legal right to come to their life in the first place. This is why, you see, people will be delivered. After a few weeks, those demons will come back because they still have the legal right there. They haven't repented. I can't understand how people can pray for people without leading them into repentance. Okay? It is. So that is um, the chapter we wanted to do today. I wanted to focus on born again. people Because a lot of people do not understand it, especially what Jesus said about water and uh, the spirit. You have to go through the process of water baptism. Water baptism is very significant. It's a very important doctrine in the Christian faith. And every Christian should practice that because that is what the Bible says. Jesus said we have to be baptized. Okay. Hallelujah. Amen. Has anybody got any questions about being born again or things like that? So for those of you who haven't been baptized, it will be good if you can, you know, get somebody to baptize you you know, because you need the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we are, you know, we're just doing fleshy Christianity. So we really do need to be baptized full immersion. You know, a lot of Christians, they believe they are born again, but they haven't been baptized either in water or in the Spirit. So, you know, what makes you a born again Christian? This is what makes you a born again Christian. Water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is what being born again is. That is Actually, what being
2: there, born. Again. Is there a difference by baptism by immersion or just you know the one they touch water on your head and then baptism? By no, baptism. no, no. That
0: is, that is not baptism. The baptism, the real uh, baptism, is the baptism Jesus had at the ri- at the Jordan the River. Yes, in the water, full immersion, full immersion. That is why He demonstrated to us what needed to be done. Yeah. Yeah, it's full immersion. Okay. Hallelujah.
2: Hallelujah. Okay. Amen.
0: Any other questions?
1: Um, there is something you said. Although we've discussed this before, but there is something you said about the churches. You know, like um, yeah. the things that are happening in the churches yeah. that are similar or akin to what is happening in the marketplaces.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, uh, these are like, you know, let me see, maybe the new churches, you know, because um, I used to, I, you asked me before I told you, I used to attend Pentecostal church. Then I went back to you know, traditional church, uh, Anglican church. Hmm. And, uh, you know, because, in, you know, in the Pentecostal church, one man is the focal point. You know, the one man is the focal point, where that man is the head of the board, and maybe the wife is the secretary, and the, the son will be the treasurer, the treasurer of the church. Maybe what I'm saying is maybe peculiar to Zimbabwe because of the economic situation of Zimbabwe. You know, but I think that uh, maybe the traditional churches, there, there will be a system in place. You know, so I don't know. All, you all will be advised that Pentecostal church is, is better. But when you, when you look at the things that are happening there, because one man is the all in all, the focal point. Hmm. And uh, it's about that man and maybe his close associates and his family. Hmm. So I don't know. which What is the best, uh, you know, the best way to go? is it the pentecostal church where it is woman business or a traditional church where there is a system in place you know when, when i when i mean uh, when i say traditional churches, i mean like anglican church or a catholic church
2: hmm.
1: you know i don't know
0: okay <laughs> let me let me explain you know in the bible jesus said by the fruit hmm. you will know them okay I think even, the, let's say, for example, these traditional churches now, the Anglican church, the Catholic church, when they, you know, they're still doing their marketplace because when they bring their offerings of pot, they'll tell you, you put your offering here, you put, that is market. They, they, they're canvassing for money, okay? They are canvassing for money. Their, their offerings, their tithes, all these things are all canvassing for money. It's market. Is marketplace. It's from the people that raise their money that they used to live and do whatever. The same thing was happening in the days of Jesus. The, the priests and the religious leaders, they were getting their money from the people, from the tithes of the people and from leaving them this amount, leaving this one, this amount. The same thing is happening in our churches today. Okay. So even the Pentecostal churches. Okay. Okay. The Pentecostal churches, it could be a one man business, but did God call that one man into ministry? Okay. There is good Pentecostal churches there that have been led by the Spirit of God. And when they have been yes. led by the Spirit of God, they are doing the work of ministry. Jesus' Spirit is working through them. You will see fruits in their ministry. You will see people being healed. You see people being delivered. You see genuine Christianity in that church. But those who have tapped their powers, from the unholy spirit, demonic spirit, you will see hatred, you will see fighting, you will see a lot of things that should not be in a Christian church. You will see there. That is why Jesus Mm -hmm. said, by the fruit, you will know them. Okay, It's by the discernment of the spirit you will know, which is a genuine uh, um, church of God that has been led by the spirit, whether they're Pentecostal or whether they're traditional. As long as the spirit of God is working there and people are truly being born again. They are loving themselves. They are united. You know, there is not, you know, people are very repentant. They're loving towards each other. You will see the difference. There will be a difference. There will be.
1: Okay? Uh, no, I, I get what you're saying. And we are still looking for a good church to, uh, you know, to become a member of. But those yeah. that, you know, these traditional churches that we say they they are no longer very relevant, you know, if you look at even like maybe a couple of, you know, years or many years, uh, uh, you know, uh, years, eh? you see, like, um, some of these churches, they built schools, like Anglican churches, Catholic churches, they built schools where people went to school, they gave people scholarships, from mm-hmm. proceeds that came from the church, mm-hmm. For this focal, point, this new churches today, you will find that the pastor will build a private university, and if you want to attend that those private universities, you have to pay money. But unlike yeah. traditional churches, I'm not holding brief for them. I'm not holding brief for them. We're mm-hmm. just having a discussion. Mm-hmm. They were able to create scholarships for people. People were able to move on in life through them, mm-hmm. but uh, such is not happening. Uh, you know just very few Pentecostal churches, Pentecostal churches are doing that, but mm-hmm. the majority of them will want to invest, go into private investment for their own, uh, mm. you know, their own, I don't, upliftment, yes, like uplifting the body of uh, Christ, which is the church, mm-hmm. the people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's what it, I'm saying, true. but uh, mm.
0: it's true. You know, you said you're, you're looking. What I will suggest is you pray about it. You don't look. You pray and God will lead you to a church that his spirit is functioning in there. You know, there are there. There is genuine churches that truly are preaching the real word of God, you know, and people are being drawn closer to God. You know, one thing the Lord said to me in my ministry, my ministry is to, he said, go and bring my children back to me the ones in the churches, and the ones in the streets. Okay, My ministry is about helping people to develop an intimate relationship with God. That is what he has called me to do. So this is why I do what I do. When I, I teach the Bible studies or when I pray for people, when I do my, my uh, uh, Mercy TV, the, the lessons and the things he's giving me, is to draw people closer, to, to get people to get hungry for God, for Jesus. It's not about this world. It's not about material things, you know. When we just focus on material things, we lose it. We just lose it totally, you know. It's about God, Him first, and well, everything well, else will follow. I, I think
1: when it comes to you you are on a different level, I'm not talking. About, you know, you're on a different level. But when I'm talking about these uh, people and their churches, I'm not talking. I'm not even. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah I know
0: I wasn't I was just explaining what my ministry is about, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there is other people there that ministry is also the same. They hear from God, they mm-hmm. follow the spirit, the spirit leads them, you know for you to be a minister, for you to be called by God, you know, you have gone through the fires of trials, you have gone through a lot of things. The devil has you have me personally, I have come to face to face with the devil himself okay so you have gone through all that god can now trust you with his word he can trust you with his revelations because he has put you through fire and you have come out the other way okay that is when he will start giving you all these things for you to now go and teach it to his children but a lot of ministers they don't have the patience to go through that training to go through that refining it's about character it's about character God needs to, you know, remove pride and selfishness from your, from your, from your being. And it is own, him and him alone. Nothing else. Because that is his glory. But ministers which do not allow the Lord to finish the work he has started in them. He has given them the gift. But instead of mm-hmm. submitting to him, for him to train them the way he wants to train them. And for them to function the way he wants them to function. The material things, the de- because the devil will come and tempt you. The devil, the devil have come to me before and said, oh, I will give you this and this if you stop doing this and this. You know, he will come and offer you, the, just like what he did to Jesus. He came to Jesus and offered him the whole world. Jesus told him to bagger off. Okay. And so ministers don't do that. They accept what the devil has given them because they don't want to, you know, go through the fire the Lord is going to put them through. Jesus went through fire. That cross he went through. We all have to go through similar things. Maybe not not die on the cross, but we need to die to self. And a lot of ministers are not willing to do that. So this is when money becomes their main focal point. And when money becomes your main focal point, Mm -hmm. that means you have lost it. You're working for the devil and not for God. Okay. This is why okay. you see churches all focused on money and this and all that material things. And this is what they're teaching the people, prosperity gospel. This is why the Lord said prosperity gospel is from the pits of hell. It's from the pits of hell. It's not from him. You know?
1: But the people are shaking down, press together. I don't I'm not very good. Uh press down, shaking what, what, what I don't know <laughs> the particular words they use.
0: I know. When you <laughs> give, measure, when you give...
1: And
2: shaking <laughs> together, run it
0: yes. God, when you give, God uh-huh, will give yes. you more. Shake it together, overflowing. That's what they, they, they preach. And this is okay. what people are buying. And this is why people keep sending their money in this ministry, in this ministry, thinking that God will, will put and they will shake. But he said, he said, in was it in James? He said, you know, your prayers are not being answered. Why? Because if, you, if he answers your prayers, you're going to use this for the wrong thing. You're going to use this for your pleasure. Okay? So this is why a lot mm. of people, they will be praying for money and praying for this. God will not give them because their motive for that thing is wrong. He will answer that prayer. Their motive is wrong. Okay? Okay. It's when you, when you have a pure heart. You know, the, the best way to get to know God is to love him with all your heart. Seek him with all your heart, with no reservation. And he will reveal himself to you. And then he will start teaching you. It took me, what? Consistent prayer for three solid years. Morning and night. Prayers, prayers, prayers. Seeking God until he revealed himself to me. And then from there, he started teaching me, showing me things. Okay? So that, this is the reason where I am. And he's not, it's, you know, when he does reveal himself to you, He will tell you initially, initially in 2008, I had a vision. The Lord appeared to me in a vision and he said that the devil has asked for you. He's going to, you know, he's going to attack you, but don't worry. I'll be there for you. And that was the reassurance I needed. So whatever the devil threw at me, I know the Lord was with me. So it didn't shake me. Although I was going through pains, you know, I was, I thought I was going to die, but I know the Lord said he would be with me. You know, when you have an encounter with God, it changes everything. It changes everything. And your faith skyrockets because you have met him face to face. You know he's real. A lot of Christians, they don't have an encounter. They just believe what people tell them, but they don't read the Bible themselves. They don't have the hunger to seek for themselves, you know. But you need people who have had an encounter with the Lord to show you the way. And once you have shown the way, you start pursuing him yourself. And then he will reveal himself to you. He will tell you what he has created you to do, what his will for you. And then you follow that path and you see changes and differences in your life. Changes and differences. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I'm going to stop recording now. I think we're way past our time.